0: The advice and informational content does not necessarily represent the views of Mother's Market and Kitchen. Mother's recommends consulting your health professional for your personal medical condition.
1: Hello, I'm Kimberly King, and welcome to the Mother's Market Podcast, a show dedicated to the truth, beauty, and goodness of the human condition. On today's episode, since not all of us eat a perfect diet, we need to supplement to make sure we get all of the nutrients our bodies need to perform. We discuss how to get essential fatty acids and learn how to bet the benefits of CBDs to help us get our bodies working at the highest level. On today's episode, Jeffrey Von Stetten has worked in the natural products industry for over 15 years, primarily as a natural products educator and broker. Jeffrey is a cancer survivor, a vegan of over 30 years, and a certified clinical nutritionist. He's the owner and founder of Jeff's Best, makers of Jeff's Best Hemp and Jeff's Best Blends hardcore vegan superfoods. And we welcome Jeff to the Mother's Market Podcast. How are you?
0: I'm good. How are you?
1: Good. Thanks for being here. Why don't you fill our audience in a little bit on your mission and your work before we get to today's show?
0: Yeah, you know, uh, I mean, I've always just worked in the natural products industry. My goal and my goal out of anything I've ever done or made is to always either work with or produce anything that's like next level from what I see in the market. I always try to either affiliate myself or put my energy into... Products that I think are not just like one step ahead of maybe a competitor that I see in the industry, but to really align myself with people that are health passionate and cutting edge to really keep that ball moving forward. I'm Being progressive and really trying to add in to the whole industry, try to raise that standard so that uh, we're, you know, two or three steps ahead of anything that we see out there to take something to make it better, but not just make it better for a one step first glance, but to really look down the road and be like, wow, how can we really, really carve a niche that people who are health passionate and health enthusiasts will really appreciate if they just take a little bit of time to look into the details.
1: Great, well, today we are talking about essential fatty acids and CBDs. And so what are essential fatty acids and why are they so important to include in your diet?
0: Essential fatty acids are, um very straightforward their name kind of just says itself thank goodness it's one that has a title that's easy essential essential fatty acids uh non-negotiable and they're healthy fats that can come from a number of different directions everywhere from if it's an animal source primarily it would be fish if it's from plant sources you can get it from flax you could get it from um, industrial hemp you could get it from borage primrose each one of those has a different range of things that they'll really kind of lean on and is a little bit more healthy. And then each one of them can get broken down into omega-3, omega-6, and omega-9 primarily for how they fit into your health and your diet.
1: Great. And what are some of the sources that are available to people fairly easily here in the United States?
0: Um, out of, for animal stuff, it would be um, fish sources. I don't really like to suggest <laughs> fish sources because I'm vegan. I've been vegan for over 30 years and it's really important to me. Um, But out of plant sources, I'd say my preferences are flax, hemp seed, and chia. Mm. Um, Those are the ones that will have probably the widest range of what you want every day. Now, you could get into a couple specialties like evening primrose, which has a couple of trace chemicals, which can be uh, more helpful to females. And then borage, which is extremely high in omega-9 and has gamma-linolenic acid, but it's much lower on the the other omegas, omega-6 and omega-3. So the fact that it has 9 and GLA that's in it is good and it's helpful, but it's not as wide-ranging. That's why you'll usually see it blended in with something else.
1: Okay, and so what are some of the best sources for people to consume, in your opinion, and why?
0: I would say if... If I was somebody that was just out there that's really trying to have a, a good wide range or a good amount of the healthy fats that I get in a daily basis, I do. I am partial to hemp seed and hemp seed oil because it's one of the few sources that the World Health Organization has said is a perfect balance for what people need on a daily basis. And uh, it's one of the only ones that has omega-3, 6, and 9 in a proper ratio with a naturally occurring Um, productive and healthy level of gamma-linolenic acid that's in it, and GLA, or gamma-linolenic acid, is really important to try to help activate everything else that you get it with. It's very important to try to help your body use it and to have it in there. Um, Flax, unfortunately, does not have GLA, but it does have a really good amount of omega-3, so does chia, um, and a good amount of omega-6 Um, Those those three are really the ones I'm most partial to I don't think that you'd be able to select something else and still have good healthy amounts of what you want to get in your diet on a daily basis and the American diets usually very low standard American diet or sad for Mm -hmm, short mm -hmm. uh, just lacks that we're just not a for whatever reason we're just a region of the world where people's dietary choices just don't happen to lean heavy on those healthy fats.
1: That's so true. We were, I was, we were talking about that earlier today. Hmm. Um, why is it so important to get essential fatty acids and water in containers made of glass?
0: Well, um, both of those substances, healthy fats um, and water, will start with healthy fats. Uh, if you're putting healthy fats into a plastic container, plastic can be made from a couple of different primary sources, but both of them are going to be leaching and leaching plastic uh, properties um, into the healthy fats. And that healthy fat, when plastic combines with healthy fats, it produces a substance called uh, xenoestrogens. So plastics all have BPA that's in it. And the natural products industry, as much as I really wish it was one of the big things they rallied around, just like they did GMO or organic Uh, certification, somehow BPA has just never landed and no one's ever made a big deal out of it. And I I always suspect that it's probably because there's just so many products that are in plastic that would be too disruptive Mm. right down to the receipts at the counter. But um, if you put healthy fats in plastic, it leaches BPA and it can generate xenoestrogens. Xenoestrogens are estrogen mimicking chemicals. Those estrogen mimicking chemicals uh, are greatly disruptive to hormonal functioning. They contribute. They can contribute to uh, diabetes. They can contribute to. Uh, it can throw off a person's hormones uh, in development. So if you're giving it to kids, or or if it's in a substance that like babies are getting, it can interfere in their development. There's some really good research that just says that it's it's pretty bad news. Water has that same dynamic. It you know again is leaching from. Uh, plastic bottles obviously they're they're very prevalent and I I do understand they're necessary for aspects of shipping and transport storage etc but but when it's something in a setting that's optional it really helps to get things in glass and especially the healthy fats and especially for fats that you're going to be getting in the natural products industry it's something that we're a standard that should be setting the standard for everybody else I don't expect like a more of a conventional store to necessarily push for that even though i've seen it but we really should be setting those standards and some of those plastic bottles that are out there especially some of the very dark ones um, there's a small handful of companies that use it a lot of that's done from petroleum shale which isn't really even usable here in the united states for much of anything with the ex with the exception of exporting to companies for um I hate to say third world. It always just feels bad. Mm-hmm. I don't know what else what the right word is for that, but just in countries where they're still utilizing coal and um, that shale to to fuel ovens and to fuel heating things like that, um, that's the one and the one of two uses that's acceptable for it. And the other use is for plastics and darkening that plastic, which originally was supposed to protect it from the sun. But then as all the information came out about how it affects the substance, about how it affects what's inside of the bottle, nothing ever was course corrected. Nobody does it. And it's still out there, but um, I don't know. I, I really wish it was something that was given a lot more attention by both consumers and buyers and was a lot more of the norm for the industry. I, just, I feel like we owe it to push to push on that subject to do better.
1: I agree and I was going to ask you about the you know you you see cases of plastic water bottles but the delivery method or sitting in the sun and what we've read about is it's not good because of those BPAs and yeah why is it so important to only buy organic certified essential fatty acids
0: um well really because they they make that issue that we discussed earlier about xenoestrogens it it overlays and even further complicates that chemical issue of xenoestrogens within the healthy fats when you're taking a xenoestrogen that's already being generated by plastic that's being combined with and extracted and then you're taking a, a pesticide herbicide residue and again that's getting mixed in with what's getting leached that's even more of a toxic um a toxic and unhealthy scenario for somebody and I think if you're going to make the effort if someone's going to make the energy or uh, The effort to try to improve their health by taking essential fatty acids It doesn't make any sense that they would aim at something where you kind of like rob Peter to pay Paul You know what? I mean, I just I don't get it. I don't understand why someone would would take a conventional uh, essential fatty acid just to further you know, when you're pressing seeds, obviously, when you make oils, um, that takes a lot of seed, it takes a lot of the plant. And that means you're getting concentrated versions of that pressed right into the oil. And that means that any anything that's not organic certified is going to be taking any kind of pesticide, herbicide, fungicide, anything that's in there, and it's going to get concentrated even more. It's just kind of the same reason why it's really not a good idea to to juice conventional vegetables, because you're going to be getting a lot of extra juice, and you're like, hey, this is really healthy, but then you're also getting a concentrated amount of pesticides and herbicides and fungicides, and that's just, that's no good. Nobody wants that.
1: Yeah, no, that's a good point, too. This is great information. Uh, We have to take a quick break, but more in just a moment. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Mother's Market podcast, and we want to remind you that if you missed any portion of today's show, you can find us on iTunes by searching Mother's Market or download the show from our website, mothersmarket.com click the link for podcast and listen to past shows plus download our healthy recipes and money savings coupons all available at mothersmarket.com and now back to our interview with jeff's best hemp owner jeffrey von staten and we are talking about cbd what is cbd
0: cannabidiol is a substance that you can find very readily in industrial hemp medical cannabis ginger uh, peppercorn turmeric And it's just obviously something that, uh, got a lot of research and, uh, notoriety over the last few years. And then everybody decided that they really liked it. Um, there's always, seems like there's always new research coming out on that particular substance, but, um, I'd say so far, like a lot of the very, there's a few different versions of it, but just simply speaking to CBD itself without addressing the suffixes. It just seems like it's a type of substance that's been very helpful in helping with um, anxiety, depression, restlessness, um, and inflammation. You have to be careful how you say that, but I I think a lot of the good preliminary research really lends itself to be pretty helpful in that. There's a few different properties if you want to get into like CBD-A, CBD-N, CbdG which are within the cannabidiol family, but they're, uh, you know, each one of those has their own category per se. So, yeah.
1: Does that kind of lead into the next question about what does full spectrum mean?
0: Sort of, yeah, sort of, okay. kind of. You know, when you mm-hmm. see in the market the way that the words have always gone around, it's really important to me that people use that, like, proper terminology. So you have everything from... When cannabidiol gets extracted um, or infused or both, there's a few different stages that people can do everything from like a a very predominantly raw proprietary infused extract to uh, a a distillation to a more full distillation, really similar. I find the processes are very similar uh, in that little kind of niche. I know people can't see my hands like when they're doing that, but like (laughs) in that little niche uh, it reminds me a lot of MSM, you know, MSM is a pine extract. So you have like an initial extract, but that, that can still have some impurities. You can have a secondary extract of that dried powder, which is how we get what's usually referred to as Opti-MSM within the industry. And then just past that, if you extracted it again, you, you would have most of the natural, uh, the whole family of nutrients or a host of accompanying Chemicals that go with it, a lot of that would get stripped down, and you'd have more of like a CBD isolate. So yeah, full full spectrum really just refers to that nice full range of constituents that you would find within a particular herb or substance uh, in nature. And it's not exclusive just to cannabidiol. Like you could you could use that word full spectrum for a lot of different types of extracts, whether it's milk thistle or maybe. Um, astragalus possibly like turmeric turmeric root has uh, a lot of primary constituents secondary constituents that people sort of zero in on Um, that's sort of how the precedent for the industry has been established everything down to a really singular very isolated extract uh, that's even patented something like warfarin you know which is made from turmeric and that's a drug So, yeah, there's a lot of ranges, you know, from point A to, like, point G on where it goes. Each little step kind of gets its own distinct name. So I I think of full spectrum as appropriately used for what's naturally occurring within the plant or what you would find in nature.
1: Okay, okay. makes sense. What is uh, CBD good for?
0: What is CBD good for? So far... Mm -hmm. I would say most of the good preliminary research shows that it helps with uh, good, calm, clear focus. I know for myself, that's what I usually use it for. It just helps me stay really good, and I think kind of in the zone, it reminds me a lot of what I used to experience when I would take like a nice GABA um, or that clear, that kind of clear focus that you have without any of the sketchiness from like L-theanine or if you've ever had a nice strong matcha. You know, you can feel really kind of clear. A lot of that comes from L-theanine. But if I ever take matcha, that usually makes me feel a little bit sketchy. Like I love coffee and espresso, mm-hmm. stuff like that. Right. Um, but for some reason, that always gets me just like really cranked. It makes um, you like
1: five shots of something. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, but when I think of what cannabidiol is good for, I would say just good, calm, clear focus, assisting with anxiety, uh, reducing depression, Assisting with sleep, definitely helping with pain management. It seems to have an overlap with those nice cox2 inhibitors and um, I think it just has a good way of helping your body to kind of harmonize and to work better. I really do I just think that it helps everything to um, That those receptors those cannabinoid receptors within the body which are are naturally occurring they're in all of us And I think it just helps everything to kind of talk and communicate a little bit better. Yeah.
1: So I'm going to go back a step because you did talk a little bit about the CBD, A, D, N, G. Mm -hmm. So can you dive into that a little bit and what exactly that means?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, as we got more familiar with cannabidiol and some of this research uh, comes to us from the medical cannabis or recreational cannabis industry for what they had already sort of done on uh thc so with like thc you have um thc thca uh thcn thcg like they're they're just sub components of the original component um the a sort of refers to uh an acid hmm. um and for thc if you have like thc That isn't something normally that could have a psychoactive effect, but then if it's been converted or you could say oxidized like that, each one of those steps is a further oxidation of the other. So like if you take THCA, it's oxidation converts into THC. That's what people usually associate with like psychoactive activity, et cetera. Um. That methodology, as cannabidiol became more readily available, was applied to that to kind of go, hey, let's see what we could find. Does this follow the same pattern? Does this have the same family? Um, And it does, except cannabidiol works the opposite of THC. It's, It's the part that grounds people out. It's the part that helps them stay calm. So like if somebody's ever had really strong cannabis, And they thought they felt like they were just going to float off the couch. They're like, oh, my gosh, this was or maybe they had a really bad experience where it was very anxiety inducing, very counterproductive, something like that. It's because that whatever it was that they had didn't have a good enough amount of CBD in it. They're they're yin and yang for the way the plant works. So CBD is that part that's calming, grounding, soothing, balances out all the anxiety. That's what we kind of know it for. Okay. And so um, out of that, then if you have like CBDA, that is the, the uh, just the, the acid or non-converted version of CBD, which I personally think, and I think that all the research points to it being very helpful specifically with inflammation. And I think that it can be very helpful for migraines. That seems to be what a lot of the data points to. There was some really cool information recently that came from both Israel and Oregon about C B D A and C B D G potentially assisting uh, to um, cut down that cytokine response that, um, that comes from coronavirus, or that produces the responses of the symptoms from coronavirus, which was really cool, and um, they published some of that, I think, in, like, Uh, forbes and natural products merchandiser and then two um two specific reports one was done in oregon oregon looked at a lot of the research that was predominantly done from israel and kind of validated it double checked it and Mm -hmm. that seems like that's gotten a lot of good um a lot of good attention and then cbdn and cbdg there just has not been a lot of good research Um, i remember when people were first getting familiar with cannabidiol um people sort of dismissed those two or they'd call them like junk chemicals uh, because it's furthered along in that oxidative process. You just sort of think of it as like, you know, the apple's almost ripe, the apple's ripe, the apple's a little brown, the apple's like gross. <laughs> <laughs> and I, that was sort of how people seemed to think of it. And um, they, were, they got dismissed as like junk chemicals. And I really don't think like people should use that word as like a junk chemical Because to me, that just means they don't really know what it's good for yet. I really don't like that. Just like they were quick to dismiss how useful our appendix was. And they're like, yeah, I don't know. It's just a leftover from whatever. And then a few years later, they are like, oh, gosh, (laughs) our bad. I guess it really helps with, you know, healthy um, bacteria. And it looks like it's a storehouse. And it's a way your body helps to build that up. I tend to look at it the same way. both of those two there hasn't been a ton of research specifically on uh, their best benefits the only things that i've seen so far that was kind of promising was that same article that mentioned cbda did include cbdg in its anti-inflammatory property and then i think i think it was g that was also potentially helpful for migraines Hmm. so like a and g and then regular cbd seem to really have like a nice harmonization with um helping to reduce migraines, which is, you know, really great for anybody that that does get them.
1: Right. That's good. Yeah. So you talked about it a little bit there, but um, what unfair obstacles to a truly free market has the hemp industry faced in the past and present in the the U.S.? (laughs) Oh, man,
0: a lot. Um, Well, everything from you know, I noticed that even as cannabidiol was getting very popular, even if we had really good legislation that was protecting the hemp industry from the Farm Act, you still see, even at an informal level, um, merchant processors were discriminatory towards uh, hemp and hemp companies. So, like, if you worked, if you tried to process a credit card with whatever Stripe QuickBooks Pay, or QuickBooks payments, um... Uh, Uh, There's a few different ones that are out there, just a nice handful. Uh, Anybody that was sponsored by, I think it was Wells Fargo that was like the anchor bank for it, and when they got in trouble for two different lawsuits or something, um, that echoed and they dropped everybody's stuff. But what happened is within even just simple merchant processing, And card running, you couldn't get a regular merchant processor to do it, so you'd have to go to these mid-range or high-risk processors. So people just look at it, and they think, oh, you could just sell it, or you could just buy it, and you're like, no, you can't. So like when I talk about credit card processors like Square, Square might take 2% off of whatever your transaction was if they let you process it at all. Um, And for a while, even Square wasn't now. God bless them. They have a wonderful beta program, which has been really helpful for the, the hemp industry um when you get into some of those mid-risk or high-risk processors they charge you these exorbitant fees you know hundred or hundreds of dollars a month sometimes you have to do weird stuff where it's routed out to a different country and then it comes back to you all this really sketchy stuff that's just nerve-wracking they don't pay you um like paypal if you look at paypal uh, they were just cutting off cbd vendors left and right with no warning so i we manage, my company managed to skip that only because we ever really had, at the time, a very regular cash-out process of just every Friday regular kind of accounting stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and thank God. But I know a couple different vendors. There was one really sweet woman I talked to that was in, um, I want to say, North Carolina, and she had had, like, a nice little shop. And they, I think she had gotten, uh, had, like, something like $10,000 or more that was held up in her account just from transactions. And I don't know if that was a busy week or if it was just an accumulated total that maybe because of a small mom and pop, she didn't cash out, but they you know, they just held that. And mm-hmm. so in that kind of scenario, if you have your PayPal account cut off, they keep it for 180 days. Wow. Um, and then you have to like fight for it and say, hey, this is why we should have it. And they, they basically use those quick cut off the knee kind of styles as a way to generate capital for their company they use it like a loan with no interest and then they make you wrestle it back and they figure some people just won't pay it because or pursue that because they figure you know potentially the cost of litigation against a big company like paypal is less than they could expect to even get so they just give up wow it's really bad Mm -hmm. um wild wild west yeah and so like that's processing with ads you have a lot of limitations on ads up until very recently like facebook or pinterest or any of those guys they wouldn't let you do any any ads on cannabidiol um sometimes even stopping us from doing things with industrial hemp Hmm. and um it's just you can't have a free market if you can't talk about your products right you know fairly and it's tough because even even when you deal with the wholesale world it's like by the time we're in the store and by the time we've done all that, it's tough because you get interacted with as if your products were just easy to get, easy to, easy, like as easy to do as flax or chia or something. And it's like, it's not like if someone was a caviar dealer, you would know you're dealing with a tough exclusive product that's hard to get. It's not as easy to find. It has to be imported. You can have customs issues. There's everything that goes with it being a high value. product there's this awareness of hey i'm dealing with somebody that works with things that's tough to get and i don't really feel that gets conveyed um a lot in the natural products world and it's really hard some days i think i usually i'm i usually do pretty great but some days it's really frustrating because you have somebody even talking about i don't know a simple item like protein or whatever it's like you just you can't get it the same way that you could Um, Some of these other items and when you're interacting at the end of the day they want to talk about it the same way that they would weigh or um, You know sprouted rice or something like that and you're like bro. I can't get this like sprouted rice I could sprouted rice can come from Arizona or we could have um, You know a lot of in Like domestic national products that that can come from and we just don't have that type of agricultural infrastructure There's a lot more work Problems at customs, problems with handling, problems with doing all that. So it's it's really tough. There is a lot of low key, kind of low brow shadow discrimination that goes on against the hemp industry. That there just really hasn't been a lot of progress or improvement. The one thing that's really been a big improvement was just when uh, AB forty five was passed this year um, in California, and that's what let us have cannabidiol back on the shelves again. Um, after it was pulled from a lot of shelves for almost about a year
1: wow wow can uh, Cbd get get me high
0: no okay. no cbd will not get you high at all it it does the opposite like and that's how that's how it functions naturally uh, as it's found in uh, medical cannabis and, and and since we work exclusively with industrial hemp that's Anybody that's selling it to health food stores or in the public, that's already produced from industrial hemp. That's 0.03% or less THC. That's the federal law. So, yeah, no, it's mm-hmm. it's not. All these questions. I don't know if that's good or bad news. It <laughs> yeah, just won't. Right. They never know. There are other things. Though, right? <laughs> <laughs>
1: Thank you so much for your time and some great advice, and we really appreciate your knowledge. Mm-hmm. Uh, f- to get more information, the website is jeffsbest.net, and we look forward to your next visit. Thank you. If you want to learn more health information, check out mothersmarket.com. Get delicious recipes and health guidelines to keep your body in great shape. Thanks for listening to the Mother's Market podcast and for shopping at Mother's Market. The advice and informational content does not
0: necessarily represent the views of Mother's Market and Kitchen. Mother's recommends consulting your health professional for your personal medical condition.